Hello and welcome back to Cultivating Connections. I'm Ryan. And I am Rory. And thanks for stopping in today. So, Rory, what are we talking about today? Well, what we've been talking about lately is um, drug education, mm-hmm. drug, drug education reform. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot, what I've been thinking about lately personally, and I talked a little bit about it with you, is um, re- my relationship or humans' relationship to drugs as a generaliz- generalization, but... Yeah, I mean, I think that's an important thing. I mean, my whole premise behind drug education is that we shouldn't label drugs as good or bad. And that may seem odd because I bet a lot of people listening are probably like, well, you portray psychedelics and cannabis as good and pharmaceuticals as bad. But that's not really what I'm portraying. What I'm what I'm trying to get at is the context and the relationship. The relationship I have with Adderall is destructive. And that's not a thing. I think we should let go of the good and bad and just think of it as constructive or destructive. The relationship I had with Adderall was destructive. The relationship I have I have with alcohol is destructive. So for me, they're not they're not good, I guess. But that doesn't mean they are bad drugs or they're inherently bad. Adderall can be uh, very effective for some people with uh, with ADHD and other things. And I don't think alcohol is inherently bad either. I think in the right setting, right context, you can have a positive experience with it. But on the flip side, um, my experience with cannabis was destructive and my relationship was destructive for the longest time. I didn't even think it could be constructive. But through this ritual setting in this context in which we created, I was able to change my relationship and have it be a very constructive rela- relationship. And I think there's a lot of things that are really important in that. The, the fact that I only use it in this specific setting, I think is critical. Um, and then when you come to psychedelics, like my psychedelic experiences were not done in the best context because I was desperate and depressed and looking for anything. And they very much could have been destructive and traumatic. Um, and they very, they almost were, you know, my first psychedelic experience, I almost, I mean, I was pushed to the brink of sanity really. And it, was only constructive because I was able to get through that and find the value looking back. But if I was in any other situation, if I was younger, if I was not, if I took it at 23, if I was taking that at 16 or 17, that experience would have ruined me. And that's, I, just, I say that just to get back to the point that psychedelics are not inherently good either. You know, they're, they're tools. They're all tools. And we can use these tools to build or we can use these tools to destroy. It's really that simple. But the thing is, if you give a child no education and you hand them a hammer, they're going to destroy something. They're not going to build something. You give them the right guidance, you show them how to use it, then they might build something and it'll be constructive. So that's the whole like philosophy behind drug education. We, we have to be honest. We have to be open. We have to... Um, yeah, I mean, that's 
have to be responsible about it. Yeah. Which, if you think about, if you talk about the cannabis that we use <clears throat> once a week, I mean, that, like, I couldn't think of a more responsible way to use it. Yeah. But I w- wanted to talk about my relationship with drugs when I was younger. You know, like my introduction to drugs. My introduction to drugs um, was with cannabis, and I was, I was in like eighth or ninth grade, and um, I was told by the school system and by society, and um, that it was it was a it was a bad drug. That it it led to other things. That it. Um, it was a gateway to, to worse things. Right. And that it was just inherently bad that you should stay away from it. Like it's not something you should get into. And then I was introduced to it from, by a friend. Um, and this was early on, you know, before most people in my uh, grade had, 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 um, been introduced to it. And I formed, um, an actual, actually a, a very, um, what I, what I, my opinion, a very healthy relationship with it. Um, it wasn't until um, it wasn't until because I would do it pretty much alone by myself um, or with a very very tight knit group of people, and so every time we did it, we all were on the same page. And it wasn't until I was uh, intro- I was introduced to doing it with other people that I wasn't as comfortable around that had a lot of judgments about drugs and about me, um, that it affected my relationship with cannabis. Um, and I, you know, I, over the years, you know, uh, I think something that's really interesting about that story. I just want to point out is that we are told that these substances are bad but the first time, and this is the same with me, first time I smoked cannabis, the first time I drank alcohol, I knew it was not inherently bad. I right. knew that there was there was something they weren't telling me. There was something that there's a potential that this could be constructive. Not saying that I was using it constructively in those times, mm-hmm. but I knew that I wasn't being I wasn't being told the whole truth. And I've been obsessive about altered states of consciousness and drugs ever since that point, you know. Me too. Cuz it's like it's like this mystery that some reason the adults well yeah don't want to talk about i got to a point where i i was convinced that i was crazy because everybody was saying that this is a bad substance it's going to make you you know pretty much go crazy or or whatever and i guess i started to believe that because in my um my life it was a it was a it was a very healthy substance to this day i'll still say it was my relationship with cannabis when i first started getting into it was extremely therapeutic. It was very helpful. It just it wasn't until you know other things came into that mix, like um, peers that I wasn't so comfortable with, or um, the uh, you know other people finding out, like my parents, or and then I and then it just kind of twists the whole thing. And then you know I I have this one relationship with it that's very good, but now I'm I'm forced to change that relationship and the whole relationship between myself and the cannabis it completely was uh shifted it was just i don't know so i I think that led me to do other drugs because i was seeking 
I'm just speaking seeking from my own experience. I was, I was, yeah, I was seeking that therapeutic aspect of the cannabis that I wasn't able to get anymore because all these other factors had come into play. And um, I think in a way that's the natural relationship of uh, development with the cannabis too, because it's interesting that when you were using hard drugs, you never used cannabis because when you smoked cannabis, it would bring up all these uncomfortable feelings. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is kind of bringing back to like this cannabis was trying to, this relationship with cannabis was trying to point something else out. Definitely. Right? It was trying to be like, you, there, there's a side of life that you are ignoring and repressing that yeah. is damaging and destructive. Yeah. But at that point, maybe it wasn't even society. Maybe it was just, you no longer wanted that. You don't want to feel all that because it wasn't. Well, it felt like there was a lot of responsibility to, yeah. f- to feel that stuff, to feel those things. Yeah. Um, and I don't, yeah. Um, the other, the harder drugs suppressed all that stuff. And um, it was, it was like, it could numb it all. I could feel good. You know, I could tell myself I felt good, but it numbed all of the, the real, the, the like vital emotions yeah. and feelings about life. The most destructive relationship I've ever had with a substance was with Adderall and it's interesting because drug education never touched on pharmaceuticals it was only the illicit substances and I stayed away from most of the illicit substances the the propaganda worked on me I didn't want to touch psychedelics because I feared losing my mind and honestly there is some truth to what they're getting at and what they're getting at is that psychedelics are incredibly powerful Mm -hmm. that's one thing I knew and I believed not that I would lose my mind or all these other things, but like I knew these were powerful. I knew they could change a lot, so I stayed away from them. I didn't want, I didn't want that uh, responsibility, I guess, until I was twenty three and I was desperate and I just wanted any change, no matter what. But my my relationship with Adderall was completely different because I was prescribed Adderall by a doctor, and they never talked about pharmaceuticals in drug education, so I didn't really think much about them aside from the fact that these are authorized they're legal they're given to me by a doctor uh, a person of authority so the first thing he says you know i'm told that drugs are bad yet this doctor is telling me to take drugs for my uh, for my adhd and my lack of work ethic in school so it's like all right that's inconsistent mm-hmm. but then the next thing i'm thinking is okay these drugs aren't dangerous they're not they're pretty benign they're they're, they got to be safe if they're giving them to me and yeah and i started using adderall Mm -hmm. at 16 Mm -hmm. and for a couple months i remember the first time i took it i was like this is a godsend this saved me like i will be able to get through the rest of my life do all my work work a shitty nine to five and i'll be content and happy but (laughs) a month later i started getting hit with the worst withdrawals ever and Mm. i was feeling tired all the time, irritated, irritable, and just not happy. Like the mm-hmm. exact opposite of what I was getting at first. And I went to my doctor and I was like, I'm not feeling well and all these things. I didn't know what it was at first. And she was like, well, it's probably, or she's like, let's do some tests. We'll find out. It might be mono. Cause I was like super lethargic. Couldn't get out of bed at all. And they did the test. And the mono came back negative. And then I started to realize, oh shit, I know what this is. This is the side effects from the Adderall I'm taking because I realized I didn't take it one day and I started feeling a little better. 
actually not not one day I didn't take it one day and then the next day I started to feel a little better but when I told that to my doctor she straight up said Adderall doesn't do that because Adderall was kind of newer that's, back then that's not true yeah it's, I mean it's not true I've had Adderall withdrawal it's the worst but Adderall was kind of new back then and the doctors were just pres- just learning about prescribing it mm-hmm. and the pharmaceutical industries weren't telling the doctors the truth or at least the whole truth right that's similar to like the, I remember the my, whole opiates, opioids and painkillers yeah. um, epidemic that came from Big Pharma. So then the doctor and my parents tried to convince me that it was mono. It just was a, it was just a, a false positive or a false negative. False negative, yeah. And I was like, holy shit, this is so backwards. But at that point, I didn't even care. I didn't push the issue on them because. I wanted the Adderall. Mm-hmm. I was at the, that point. I was like, I'll figure out a way to make this work. I'll take it once a week. And that's what I did. I would pile all my work up till the end of the, the week, take it, take a couple, take Adderall for like 10, 12 hours, work straight through, wake up the next day and just be depressed, more depressed than ever. And that's how I managed to get through school until I was 22, until it got so bad that I was just completely depressed and I didn't care about college and I just dropped out or I dropped out at 21. But, and then going back to college without Adderall after that psychedelic experience, I realized, okay, I'm done with Adderall. It was like the hardest thing ever. It was like relearning how to do school as like a kid, but I'm in college level classes (laughs) and it's like, I just, if it wasn't for that psychedelic experience, I never would have went back to college, never would have truly believed I could. The only thing that that experience really showed me is that I could do this. I don't know how it showed me that, but it let me know that I could do this. It was just up to me if I really wanted it or not. And at that point, it was like, okay, I'm not going to live with a lot, live a lie the rest of my life and just say, I, I couldn't get through college because I had ADHD or I couldn't get through college because uh, I had problems with that or all like this stuff. If I couldn't get through college, I knew it was because I didn't want it bad enough. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I decided to go back. I almost dropped out again halfway through my first semester. I was like, I can't fucking do this. But I made it through. But going back to drug education, like, well, I, I just not touching say, on pharmaceuticals at all. I think it's interesting because I remember being in middle school in class and one of my uh, friends said that um, he doesn't go to the, the, the pharmacy, but called it the drugstore. And he, he said, because his dad told him that, you know, they're drugs and they're bad. But I think what he was getting at is that the, I think his dad was like an outlier in society who knew that pharmaceuticals aren't going to help solve the problems that they're there to solve. Yeah. So I always thought of, I, I don't know, I just always, I think back to that when you, when you, when you talk about it, because um, I, that was the first time I was like, "Wait a second, drugs drugs are bad, and there's a drug store. Are they are the is oh, the same word with two different meanings?" Yeah, I remember. And I mean, that too. ultimately, it's not really. They're <clears throat> whether they're considered whether they're illegal or, or prescribed or considered yeah. bad or good. They're all. I mean, the term the term chemical. You know, the term drug is ambiguous. If you look up the definition of drug, it's a substance you ingest that creates uh, biochemical changes that that incorporates food that incorporates 
you know, anything we ingest because it all has a biochemical change. Right. When people are talking about drugs, they're really, if you, if you, you know, get away from, when people are talking about drugs and like, this is a bad drug, this is a good drug, they're talking about altered states of consciousness, really. Right. They're talking about, you know, this is getting you into a different state, a high state, you know, right. and that is, that is what is the bad thing. Right. Cause the drugs are just chemical catalysts. Yeah. So whatever they're pushing as good or bad is, it has to do with an, either their own experience or someone only knows experience or something they've heard of. So it's all subjective. Yeah. That's why you can't say it's good or bad because it, it's all subjective. You can't put an objectivity, an objective judgment on it, you know? And, um, so like going forward, so like going forward, it's if we, if the drug first drug education class was like, what we're really talking about here is not drugs. We're talking about altered states of consciousness and there's endogenous and exogenous altered states of consciousness, like exogenous ones are, Oh, you take, you, you smoke weed and you feel different or endogenous is you do a breathing technique. You meditate, you do all these things. If people, if kids, you know, understood that those were two aspects of the same thing, mm -hmm. then I think people would be trying, you know, oh, I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to try and meditate first before I go to this benzo, you know? Right. Well, I think it's interesting. I, I remember we were talking to our friend Phil a few months ago, actually towards the beginning of this year, and he said that humans, um, humans seek altered states of consciousness, like, inherently. And he, he pointed to the I, the fact that, like, kids, when they're real little, they'll spin in circles real fast to get an altered state of consciousness. Yeah. It's like... You know what that points at? It points at the fact that alternate perspectives are valuable. Exactly. And this guy, this great um, researcher, uh, Carl Hart, he did a study in the 1980s and funded by the government, and they were saying, like, they're trying to make crack and cocaine look bad. So they were giving people, random people that never had experiences with drugs before, a crack in cocaine. And these people would ha have this experience, mm -hmm. and almost all of them would rate it as a positive experience and never go back to that substance again. It's like even this substance like crack that is supposedly terrible and will destroy your life in one session could provide a positive um, perspective shift. And that's what it is, the perspective shift. That's where the value is, not in the drug. Yeah. That's amazing. Very interesting. Yeah. So you're not you're not advocating that people should smoke crack though. No. I mean only <laughs> I mean, it's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's obvious that you're not, but I just I mean, I feel like people take things and, and kind of run with them. Yeah, I know. And I think people will hear what I'm saying about pharmaceuticals and be like, okay, this guy doesn't think pharmaceuticals are good. But I I remember taking Adderall and seeing other people who had Adderall because I saw other people in society, you know, and, and looking at them and to them it worked perfectly, you know. No side effects, you know, really helped them get their work done, make them feel normal again. And I was jealous. I was envious. I was like, why can't I be like that? And, you know, now, you know, five, ten years later even, I'm looking back and I'm like, that's why I couldn't be like that. Because I couldn't 
allow myself to go down that path for the rest of my life and ignore this path of questioning altered states of consciousness, questioning drug education, trying to figure out, you know, get to the bottom of this mystery. That's what it really is. And it's, it's super interesting to me. It's like, I don't know. That's, this is what I'm passionate about right now. Like drug education and addiction treatment, just drug abuse, just humans relationships with drugs could be so much more positive. They could be constructive. They could help humans bond and connect and build things together. Like most of the religions before, you know, yeah, was, before pretty much Christianity, even Christianity at the beginning, they were using sacrament altered states of consciousness with the the wine and other things. Right. And then all of that got, you know, pushed out because they didn't want people to have altered perspectives. That's what they feared, you know. They wanted everyone to have the same experience. Right. If they had alternate perspectives and alternate states of consciousness, they would start to question. Yeah. And, and that's what, that would give them autonomy. And that's, that that's what that's what religion doesn't doesn't want. That's what yeah. the church doesn't want. Yeah. They that's, don't want questions. That's why I think it's because uh, they're supposed to be the definitive answer. That's why I like, uh, I don't forget who said it. I've heard it a few times, but I hear from that, you know, Jesus himself wasn't even a religious man. It was uh, the religion kind of formed after. That's, that's not really what I want to talk about. <laughs> but <laughs> um, Jesus was not a religious man. You hear, heard it here first. But I hear what you're saying. I wanted to, when you said like ancient, cult, ancient cultures and religions used uh, altered states of consciousness, I think. I was watching this thing. Um, Graham, Graham Hancock was talking about Go, Go Becky Tepley. Yeah. Go, Go Beckley Tepe. Yeah. Um, and that they <clears throat> were able to excavate in the, the, the ruins and find that they had r- rooms. I don't know. I could be completely off here, but I'm pretty sure um, he was, it was either that society or a different one saying that they actually had drug education classrooms where they can show people how how it's used yeah. how it's used responsibly and um i know like we're another interesting a, another interesting thing we talked about recently and it's going off graham hancock um that new book the immortality key with mm. brian Marascu or, R- or something he was writing about how there was all these psychedelic brews like in greek and ancient time they had over 150 140 different alcohols that were infused with uh, botanicals, different plants, like n- some nightshades and certain things. And each thing would provide a different effect. And then it was Europe, or it was England that banned all alcohol aside from the ones from barley, wheat, and uh, two other ones. And it's like uh, two other plants. And it's Grain. like these, two other grains, yeah. And it's like these grains were very standardized. Like you knew the effect you were going to get from alcohol. It wasn't... Um, it's like it, it was altered state, but it wasn't very psychedelic. It wasn't, uh, just wasn't psychotropic. Well, I don't know, but I, I think yeah. the the hallucinogenic brews that they had with like ancient ergot. Greek time, ancient and Greek time, they had right. ergot, they had ones with like, um, some, some alcohol was meant would kill you, some would, you know, it was just very different, like. Right. It so whole, it was like a bartender of different psychedelic brews. <laughs> yeah. 
and it was kind of interesting because like we have this tincture we have a big there's a a big industry of tinctures right now right and that's like microdose you know microdose alcohol with um botanicals in it you know right and they were doing like the macro dose version like you drink a whole bottle of tincture with you know some type of plant in it lotus flower or something and you'd have way a way bigger effect right and it's it kind of depends on where you're at and your mood for which one you would take i guess like i think i heard that they use them for um like couples trying to get trying to yeah enhance their romantic life yeah they have like <laughs> for different example. ones for like every situation right and i think that was like you go back before that before there was that even much alcohol we had just a way stronger relationship with plants like there's plants that the effect of them are so is so subtle that people in today like me or you smelling it or smoking it or whatever right now would have virtually no effect mm-hmm. but in the right setting in a ritualized setting in the past these things would have crazy effects like one one interesting thing i remember when i was first uh researching like botanicals right before right before i did the psychedelic experience uh or herbs i was i saw this herb called kana which in south africa in african means just to chew so it was this succulent plant they dried and chewed and these researchers saw this South Amer- or South African tribe doing this, and they would get all giddy and hopped up and uh, super um, happy. And they would do this in like a ritual setting. And the researchers were like, okay, this is a, a euphorian. And that's what in my book it said it was a euphorian. It would literally like increase dopamine and serotonin to a point where you'd be feeling so good. And I remember getting this, like, oh, this will be cool. I want to try this. And I, I chewed it, and it had no effect on me. Hmm. But but what it did is they did studies on it, and it it had the effects of a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So over the course of a, a few days or a week or two weeks, it would slightly elevate serotonin levels. And they did studies on this with rats, and it was as effective as Prozac in uh, depression in rats. And But it gave you no high at all. So it's like, that is proof. That was the first, you know, evidence to me that there is, the set and setting goes way beyond psychedelics and it goes way beyond anything we even truly understand. There's yeah. there's context, there's relationships, there's things that we can't fully grasp that contribute to the effect of substances and contribute to the effect of, of altered states. And I'm sure some of our listeners, if they can't, relate to kana they can at least relate to cacao you know you you, even in our society you know hot chocolate even with a little bit of cream or milk or or sugar um it's it's when we're kids and we're out in the cold and we have hot chocolate it's we all get that we all get a sensation a, a very strong effect from the cacao yeah um but that kind of erodes as we get older and it just becomes mm-hmm. like oh this is just like uh, some good taste you know like yeah. some sugar some fat some stuff that we, it will taste good mm-hmm. but the mayans and the incans would use it ritually and right. they would they would break fast with it they'd, they'd fast for a few days or a week and then break fast with some cacao and have um semi-psychedelic at least effects or altered state of consciousness absolutely you know right like much much more potent and stronger effects yeah when you're when done ritualistically and that's the other part of 
rituals is like it's not just the substance it's you know what you were eating before why you're eating it what you were doing right then the music the dancing whatever it is there's like there's it's really, all intrinsically yeah there's there's an infinite amount of variables and they all um mesh together you yeah, know right. to create this effect this yeah in fact experience this experience really it's the experience yeah yeah i mean yeah yeah well that's enough for drug education 101 for today <laughs> yeah well how long is it yeah 28 minutes all right let's cut it all right thank you for listening yeah thank you for listening guys we'll see you next week peace